This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by Dr. Richard Blackaby. Good to be with you, Sam, as always. It's good to see you, Richard. We, uh, I, I came across a uh, little article or a headline, um, and I didn't see the Sabres mentioned in it, but I, I did see the Colorado Avalanche. Did they win the Stanley Cup? They did. They narrowly edged by the Sabres. Okay. So, I, so yeah. I guess you're not on speaking terms with uh, one of uh, your yeah, sons? Yeah, my son, Mike, that's the turncoat. Uh, after all we did, the prodigal child that left the family Sabres uh, fan club to cheer for the avalanche and so well, and it, it's I finally think, paid off for him <laughs> yeah well it's paid off before us the third yeah. time they won but yeah so you know well you know some people are so easily swayed just be, you know just so they can win the going gets cup, tough they, and they just bail immediately. that's right yeah. but the long-term commitment not uh, you it's yeah. and i'm sure next year will be the year it's certainly getting closer for, every year it's close it's like jesus return every year it's a little bit closer <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of jesus uh we're doing a little series here on uh, the Beatitudes, probably, um, I don't know, maybe the one of the more misunderstood or perhaps even ignored passages mm-hmm. in Scripture. I, I think everyone's at least familiar with it, but um, you start talking about how blessed the poor are, and I think especially Americans, we say, well, I don't know about all that, and uh, we, we tend to maybe forget that or just ignore it altogether. Um, if you listen to the last episode, we got through two of the Beatitudes. Yeah. And uh, so this episode, I think we're going to, I'm not sure, uh, I don't want to set the bar too high as far as uh, yeah, distance distance though. traveled, but we're going to just soak in the Beatitudes a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, interestingly, uh, for those uh, listeners, some of you I'm sure have watched the uh the the TV miniseries The Chosen uh, on the life of Jesus and uh, my wife and I have watched th- uh, that series the first two seasons and um, you know I, to be honest with you I'm always a little skeptical of portrayals of Jesus yeah. there's a lot of uh, debate about that it's you know some even feel like it's almost anytime you try to represent God uh, it's almost like breaking a commandment or something but, yeah uh, because inevitably people are going to take artistic license and and a lot of times I'll watch something like that and say ah, that's Jesus wouldn't have been like that um, but uh, and so you know you you uh, there's always that danger but and and there are certainly things I think in the chosen that I would probably have done differently but uh, but I have enjoyed it uh, I do enjoy uh, those of you that even just hear me teach the Bible um, what we call a kind of a sanctified imagination where you just, there's a lot of gaps in the Bible that mm-hmm. um, aren't explained. And so you just have to kind of speculate or you just don't really think about it. Uh, and when you put together something like that, suddenly you've got someone trying to imagine how it might've been. And, uh, and I, you know, I think that's fine. I, I like that because it makes me think and, uh, and so they take a few interesting takes, um, and in, including just one one thing I think uh, does make you think is just the the variety of characters in the disciples and uh, how they probably didn't get along all that well in the beginning. And they they kind of highlight some of that, like uh, 
Peter not necessarily really liking Matthew, the tax collector, early on and so on. And they're just introducing Judas to the mix. And, of course, that's always uh, intriguing to try to figure out what was his take, you know, how mm-hmm. did he, what made him the way he was. And uh, But anyway, I, I, I encourage people uh, to watch that series. It'll make you think, uh, you know, have your Bible out. I haven't seen a lot of stuff that is just blatantly goes against what the Bible says. They they tend to just kind of insert stuff that where the Bible is silent and they're just speculating. And, and I think that's okay to, to think that through. But um, but anyway, I, I, and I have a friend, actually, uh, a CEO that I work with, that he and his wife have been uh, extras in The Chosen, and mm. they've been in some of the crowd scenes. Nice. They're not uh, primary actors, but they... Uh, have have been in the, the the Sermon on the Mount scene, and they're going to be on the feeding of the five thousand scene. And nice, but uh, but the, the at the end of season two, uh, my wife and I were just watching that not too long ago, and they they cover uh, the Beatitudes, they cover the Sermon on the Mount, and it was kind of an interesting take. And Jesus, uh, he he's sort of trying to figure out. Um, where to you know what to do with the beatitudes and he finally at least on the on this you know tv series uh says the 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 beatitudes are kind of the map he says if people are trying to figure out how to find god if they're trying to find out how to make it to where you know to be found by god this is the map if if you can essentially become one of these people if you can become like the beatitudes then you know that you're going to experience god and that those are the kinds of people that god is pleased to work with and uh and i kind of like that take i think uh what jesus was saying is everybody wants to be uh the kind of person that god uh, is pleased to relate to and to work with and to speak to but what kind of people are they that God just says, yeah, I'm going to work in that person's life. Uh, I'll bless that person. And and so in one sense, that's kind of what the Beatitudes are. It's saying if you really want to get serious with God, if you want to know the kind of people that God is pleased to work with, then look at this these kinds of, of people. And so, of course, he starts out each one of those by saying, blessed, blessed are um, and, and some Bibles translate that word blessed to mean happy. Uh, happy is probably a little bit light on what that means, but it, but it's essentially uh, saying um, if you want your life to be good, if you want your life to be the kind of life that you're pleased with, that you, you look back and say, this is a good life, uh, uh, this is a great way to live, then he says, uh, "This is this is the kind of person you need to be." And so, of course, in our society, everybody's looking to be happy. Everybody is wanting to know what it takes to be blessed. And uh, and so, it's kind of an interesting way for him to start his whole sermon off. He starts it off, in one sense, quite positively, saying, "Hey, first thing I want to talk to you about is what it takes for you to be blessed," which probably got everybody's attention. But then, of course, as he gets into it, he keeps saying things that uh, sound quite radical. They sound crazy, in a sense. Uh, I mean, basically, the first thing he says is, blessed are you who are poor, uh, and blessed are you who mourn. And those, as we saw in the last episode, um, are, that's not what you think of. Happy is someone who mourns. That, that seems almost a paradox. Uh, and, of course, that's a lot of what Jesus does, is he... 
he takes things and flips them on their head. Uh, and, uh, and so he certainly does that as well. So when you get down to verse 5, where we are this week, he says, first of all, blessed uh, are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. And and for those of, of you listening as leaders, you may really be kind of stopped at this one to say, well, do humble leaders get very far? Can humble leaders be very successful? Um, it seems like it's the driven, confident, larger-than-life people that uh, are the ones who get things done, who, yeah. who attract a crowd, that rally people to follow after them. And we tend to think of the type A, task-oriented, hard-driving people as the ones that, uh, that, that accomplish a lot. And uh, the, the, the laid-back, kind of mealy-mouthed, you know, I don't know what I could do, uh, they're often the ones that uh, you think, well, who's going to want to follow them? Uh, and I think sometimes we think of humble as maybe lacking confidence, which, of course, is not true. You can be a very confident person and yet be humble. And uh, mm-hmm. I was talking with someone just the other day that I, I consider to be a, a humble person, and they were saying that they were in a conversation with someone, and um, and this person uh, has some insecurities, and that they were the person they were talking to has some insecurities, and and uh, but they have one area in their life that they feel that they're pretty good at, and uh, and and my friend who was talking to them is probably better uh, than the person they were talking to uh, at something, but they just realized, you know, I don't need to one up them, you know, like the, here's a person trying to kind of brag on themselves, at least one thing that they do well. And my friend is like, well, I actually do that even better, but, but why even mention that? Like, why, why not just yeah. give them their moment in the sun? And so my friend, and I think just was quite wise, uh, instead of immediately saying, oh yeah, well, like I do that all the time, or yeah, I've won, you know, recognition for doing that same thing. Uh, my friend just didn't say anything, just, uh, uh, just in, uh, encouraged their, their friend and said, good for you. And, you know, that sounds great. And, and to me, humble means that you may actually be very talented, uh, very gifted, uh, and very ambitious, but you just don't need, you don't need to say, you don't need to blow your horn all the time. Mm-hmm. You don't need to constantly be letting people know how good you are. Um, when you really are good, you don't need to keep convincing people that you are. I've, I've often felt like, you know, it's, it's been kind of said, if you have to keep blowing your own horn, you, you might need a different horn or something. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, and, 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 the, and the Bible says that. Yeah, Proverbs says, you know, better to let someone else praise you than to praise yourself. Yeah. If you're the one having to always praise yourself, that, that, that recognition's not all that significant. Uh, if nobody else notices, if no one else is impressed, then probably... You don't need to be talking a lot about it as well. And and so that that humility that just says, you know what, I, I'm just going to do a good job and I'm just going to leave uh, the accolades up to others. If they if people want to talk about it, that's fine. But I'm not going to. But there's something that's sort of shallow about a person feeling the need to constantly let others know how good they are. And, uh, and that that typically is a sign of insecurity. Uh, it's insecure people that constantly are afraid that people may, might not know what they've done or how great they are. And, um, and I've, you know, I think we've all kind of dealt with people like that, that, uh, 
are just always letting people know what they've done and what their accomplishments are. And, um, and what's interesting here is it says, blessed are the humble for they will inherit the earth. And, uh, and of course, inheriting something doesn't mean that you get it right away. Inheritance is typically come later. Uh, it's something that, you know, eventually someone dies and passes on and then you inherit it. So you're not counting on that anytime soon, but it, it, it's coming eventually. And, and I think in part what Jesus is saying is that the humble, uh, you know, when you're humble, you don't kind of take over a room the first day. Uh, you don't become humble, then immediately be in charge and asked to be in the spotlight. But over time, humility wins out is what, uh, yeah. what I think Jesus is saying. And uh, over time, you, you earn people's respect and trust. And, and over time, you build a track record. And, um, you know, it's, I, I was thinking about this uh, the other day again. I think I, I probably mentioned this at some point. But uh, I remember going through the Ph.D. program and uh, years ago now. And of course, people are intimidated by that. We're all wondering if we can make it or not. It was I entered in a time uh, where there were a lot of people applying, and so they were having to weed out a lot of people. They only had so many spots. And uh, I, I've shared before, I was born in kind of the glut of the of the baby boom, and so all my life there was always a glut, like a record enrollments all the way through school for me. So. Every time I wanted to apply for or try out for the basketball team or for a PhD program, there was always record number of applicants and and people to beat out. And so I, I was always kind of having to fight against a lot of that. And so we're all in there looking around the room, knowing that a bunch of us aren't going to make it. We can't make it. They, they can't let us all in. So they're going to have to weed us out. And I just remember there was this one guy that was in the in our group that just rubbed everybody the wrong way. I mean, he just had a, this sort of arrogant way of I'm smarter than the rest of you. And he, he loved to kind of throw out different terms and he loved to kind of, uh, he, he broke sort of the code of ethics, which was, uh, you know, we all had to make presentations and, and you didn't want to make anyone look bad because that could be all, be all it took to knock him out of the program. So it's kind of like you be nice to them and they'll be nice to you. But yeah. but this guy would just be obnoxious to people and just this kind of know-it-all. And, I, and I, I suppose he really wanted the professor just to notice him, how smart he was, how much smarter he was than everybody else. Um, but everybody else just could hardly stand the guy. And I remember on breaks people just muttering under their breaths that this guy, that he thought he was so smart and so good. And, uh, you know, but the, the interesting thing is, uh, and he really dominated the, the room for a little while. Uh, and then at some point he was gone. I, I just, some point suddenly he wasn't around anymore. And, uh, uh, and I, I, I never knew what happened. If he went, he didn't, he got at some point he, he didn't make it past a certain hurdle, uh, or if he decided to go somewhere else, but he was just gone. And, mm. uh, and I think uh, what Jesus in part is saying is uh, humility over time wins out. I mean, humility plus performance, humility plus hard work, but, um, but you, you don't have to keep letting everybody else know. And, and when you're always blowing your own horn, 
you 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 don't build allies. Uh, people just don't naturally feel. I mean, they you, for a while you may build a bit of a following because you're this larger than life person that's dominating the room. But uh, but in time, you're not making a lot of allies and a lot yeah. of friends. And it's the humble people that uh, build followings and loyalty and 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 friendships and support groups and. Uh, and so Jesus just said, over time, you'll inherit the earth. Eventually, you'll be running things. And uh, even, you know, secular writers like uh, Jim Collins in his book, uh, Good to Great, talks about the level five leader, the, the top level leader. And, uh, and he notes that they tend to exhibit humility, which seems to go counterintuitive to what we think of as larger than life leaders. But, yeah. uh, but, but when you are a great leader, you don't need to brag about it. Yeah. Uh, it's only the people that have insecurity that feel the need to keep talking about how good they are to others and drawing attention to themselves. And uh, when you are a great person, you don't you don't need that. It, you do, it doesn't. You don't need to prop up your s- sense of self worth by the praise of others. And mm. uh, it, it, and humility actually is very freeing. It just lets you live your life and uh, and not have to constantly be proving anything to anybody else. And so... Well, I think it's interesting, too, just that that word inheritance as well. Yeah. Like, it, he could have said, then, you know, the meek will earn, you know, earn the earth, or they could use a number of different words there, but that inheritance, it's also, it's an unearned thing. Like, it's, you know, you could obviously, you know, disgrace the family and have mm-hmm. your inheritance taken away, but... But there's something very humble, uh, I think, about inheritance as well. It's it's like, you know, your parents didn't have to give you an inheritance, yeah. but you know, I I think that also um, instills humility in people. Yeah, and I think it, you're right. It's sort of a, it's, in one sense, it's a humility that just trusts the process, just trusts that things yeah. will work out, trusts God will take care of you, and. And in a sense, when you have to constantly brag about yourself, it's like you don't trust the process. You don't trust God. Right. I've got to do this myself. I've got to get people to like me and respect me. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. And uh, a humble person just doesn't fret about that. Yeah. A humble person doesn't just leaves it in God's hands and says, God, I'll, I just want to humbly do the best I can and honor you in the process. And I'll just let you honor me however you, you choose to. And uh, in time, uh, by the way, you know, I've just seen so many rapidly, sort of like a shooting star. I mean, some of these larger than life leaders, they capture the airwaves and the press for a short time and then they're gone. And uh, and, and yet the humble, uh, they it's not as spectacular, but they end up hanging around for a long time. Yeah, uh, because it's it wasn't just a real quick thing. Uh, They they sort of paid their dues, did it the right way, and uh, and God honored that. Yeah, well, let's take a quick break here. Hello, I'm Richard Blackaby. I'm the co-author of Experiencing God. And here at the Blackaby Bible Institute, we're offering an online class of Experiencing God that people can take from around the world. No one had any idea back in 1990 when Experiencing God was first uh, published that it would be so life-transforming and that uh, people would experience revival. They'd be set free from burdens they'd carried for years. I can't go anywhere in the world without people telling me how this material has changed their life. And so we offer it as the Blackabees, where we have all kinds of video resources, a live stream where you can submit 
live questions and uh, get answers from myself and others and just many different resources that will enhance your experience of taking experience in God. So I want to encourage you, if you've never taken the class before, or even if you have, the Blackbee Bible Institute will offer you more resources uh, than you could have gotten anywhere else. And so we look forward to studying with you, and we're praying that it will change your life as you do. Well, Richard, that's uh, half a podcast in one verse, and so uh, I think in, in our remaining time, we'll... Are you see trying if... to say something? Oh, uh, so... no, not, not at all. <laughs> I'm just merely noting the passage of time, and uh, uh, for the second half here, we'll uh, dive into verse 6 of the Beatitudes. Yeah, verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And uh, of course, this is a, in a world and a time in which a lot of people were hungry. Uh, there wasn't, there were a lot of poor people and food was uh, precious and uh, people didn't typically eat, for instance, a lot of meat. They might, I mean, they might even be shepherds, but they, meat was expensive. It was a luxury. And so you typically had bread and some things to go with your bread. That's why we, Jesus had us pray for our daily bread. That was the, that was the staple and so, you know, they, they would, would have been very familiar with hunger and just meeting their basic needs of, of eating. But he said, uh, but blessed are you when what you're hungering for and thirsting for is righteousness. And mm. of course, righteousness is uh, holiness. It is being right with God, uh, being uh, pure in your, in your relationships uh, without sin, uh, being pleasing to God all those kinds of phrases. And, and so it's just saying, blessed are the people that just desire that their life will be holy, that their life will be honoring to God, that uh, God will look at their life and be pleased with it. And, and, and God will not look and say, well, you've got these major issues uh, in your life. And, uh, and he says, if you desire that, if, if that's what, you, what drives you each day, uh, God, that's one thing God's always going to be happy to give you. Um, mm. sometimes we say, well, God, what I really want is a new car. I want a new house. I, I want a, a raise in pay. Well, that's, uh, that's getting a little bit more on the secular, uh, selfish side. But, but if you say, but what I really want God more than anything else is just to be right with you, to be clean before your holy eyes, mm. uh, then God looks at that and says, now that is a desire that I'm always uh, happy to honor. And, uh, you know, I think David and some leaders over time, uh, you know, we're, and we're, we seem like we're constantly uh, being told about uh, leaders who've fallen uh, recently and had uh, a moral scandal. And uh, sadly, that's just pretty commonplace. And, uh, and I've known a number of leaders that um, had something come up in their life that was embarrassing, was uh, sinful, was wrong. And, uh, you know, I, I know some of these people that this has happened to, and, uh, or I shouldn't say this happened to, that they've, they've done it. But, um, and I know for some of them, they would give anything to be right with God again, mm -hmm. uh, to, to, to not have that stain upon their character, on their reputation. Uh, yeah, I, I think of David just saying, you know, can you imagine just how many times he kicked himself about Bathsheba and yeah. Uriah? And if there was just any way that he could be, be made clean again, where God would uh, not convict him anymore, where uh, he, God would just sort of declare, uh, 
you're good with me once again. You're righteous. You're, you don't have to feel guilty anymore. Uh, you've been forgiven. You're set free. And if anyone has ever had a time where you just were kind of kicking yourself and uh, mad at yourself for perhaps lowering your standards or doing something you knew was wrong, hurting other people because of your actions, and then to experience being made righteous once more, where God just settles it with you, where you just know God has said, it's done now. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, clean. You've, you've, you've uh, suffered the consequences, perhaps, uh, but you've repented, and God is pleased to say, I'm... I'll continue to use you, to bless you, to work through your life. Uh, that's a marvelous feeling uh, and experience. And uh, certainly David felt that way, I think, when he finally was sort of cleansed and forgiven for being unrighteous with God. Uh, you, you read in Psalm 51 in some of those places that David just talks about just how his bones ached mm. because of the the conviction he was under and just knowing things weren't right with God and so so you know if you were to talk to some people like David they would have said I just wish that I'd hungered for righteousness before I did that before I sinned and uh, and so you know I think there there's something that I think uh, is a challenge for each of us is to say don't wait until you've really messed up and now you got to get your act cleaned up and you've got to have people forgive you and God to forgive you. But each day, just enter each day saying, I'm just hungering, I'm longing, I'm, I'm driven by being right with God. And uh, you don't, don't take that casually. Don't, don't ever assume that things are good between you and God. Uh, hunger for it, thirst for it. Uh, be driven uh, to make sure that that's right. And uh, you know that's going to mean that you'll 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 spend time with God each day, kind of like uh, the psalmist said, "Search my heart, O God, and you know, search my 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 thoughts and my ways, and um, just if there's any unclean thing in my life, God, just let's let's get it out now before it it metastasizes and spreads and causes all kinds of trouble in my life." And uh, and and I think that um, for. I, for, for a lot of us, I think we're, we're a little bit careless with that. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I don't know that for a lot of us that that's kind of what characterizes us. Uh, we might be driven by doing things for God, might, you know, trying to accomplish things uh, uh, in, our, in our, our life, our work. But uh, are, we, are we known by those who live with us and around us and work with us as people that hunger and thirst to be righteous with mm. God. Just, well, I you, just, you know, you, you got to work and you were a little grumpy today and someone asked you an innocent question and you barked at them and, uh, and that was way out of line. It was, they didn't deserve that. Uh, and you, you know that you've been wrong. You know that uh, that was just not righteous to, to act that way. Um, does that bother you enough that you just hunger and thirst to be righteous that, uh, you just make your way back down to that person's office and stick your head in the door and say, Hey, I'm sorry. That was, I, I'm sorry. I just, I just was grumpy today, but you, you certainly didn't deserve that. And that was wrong. And, um, you know, when you, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you just want to get on top of stuff and, say, so is my life righteous? Is my life holy? Is my life pleasing to God today? 
And uh, is there something that's crept in, something perhaps I've done or said or thought that uh, makes me not righteous with God? I'm, I'm not there right now. And is that just the most important thing in my life that the moment something gets out of whack between me and God, that that just consumes me until I get it right? And so uh, interesting uh, picture of hungering and thirsting to be righteous and and Jesus just said, if you if that's what you desire, if that's really what you long for, God is always pleased to do that. When a child comes and wants to be righteous, uh, that's something that your heavenly Father is going to always smile about and say, well, now that's something I'd be glad to help you achieve. And uh, and I, I I think sometimes a lot of us are kind of task oriented, goal oriented. We've got lots of different things we're striving for, but uh, I'll tell you what, w- near the top of the list ought uh, to just be that hunger, that desire, that goal to just know you, you get to the end of the day and God looks at your life and says, you're righteous, you're good, mm. yeah, I'm pleased with you. There, there's no fault uh, in your heart, your mind, your, your relationships. Uh, what a great way just to spend your life saying, I want to just go through my whole life and be righteous, uh, where yeah. God looks at, at my life and says, well done. Uh, you, you have been perfect, but you know what? You, you're pleasing to me. And mm. uh, what, a, what a great way to, to, what a great thing to strive for and uh, to achieve. And uh, I think something that perhaps now and then we just need to be reminded that that is, uh, Jesus said, if you really want to be blessed, happy, just strive to have a life that's righteous, that's good and holy. Yeah, well, in the end, that's that's the most important thing, and uh, I knew that uh, our time in, in these few verses would fly by, um, but that's why we've decided to to take more than one podcast uh, <laughs> episode to, to unpack all the richness of uh, what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we'll leave it there and come back next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackme.org.